Hello, everybody. Here we are once again at our Bible study. This is the last one of the year. We're talking about Bible versions, how you can be confident in your 1611. What is the difference between the 1611 and all other Bible versions in the world? Why is the King James so much better? Now, I know that you probably read it and you pick up one of these other trash Bible versions and you and, and the answer's right there. You don't have to see any more. However, we get attacked in today's world. And the fact is that if we don't have a defense for it, there's some new person that will actually believe that the NIV is okay. Uh, we gotta we gotta be able to tell them. Why our version, the real version, the Bible is the real documents, the real doctrine that we're to go by. In order to do that, we're going to get, we're going to go through the intro of the 47 people that translated the King James Bible. We're going to go through their intro that they gave us. We're not going to read every word of it. It's going to take a little time. However, it exposes our enemies. It just does. Those enemies didn't start right here with us today in the 70s with the Lockman Foundation and uh, these New Age Bible versions that popped up, like the NIV. It didn't just start there. It, it started way back there. In fact, it goes back to this library of Alexandria in Egypt. It's King Ptolemy. Now, where do we know that bloodline from? Well, one, we know it from the Maccabees. It, it, it held just as many occult doctrines as it ever did anything that came out of Hebrew that was Christian or uh, Mosaic. So uh, this is the goal here. We're going to uh, give everybody the ammunition they need, and also um, know the history of their doctrine and how it evolved, okay? But first, I'm going to go into the enemies that we have. And, there, and I say have, we had also. They go way back. But the uh, other Bible versions, all other English Bible versions, came out of the Alexandrian Library in Egypt. There was this king that ordained this uh, place of higher learning, they called it, um, and he was king, Ptolemy. So this is all going to get um, underway here, historically, in 330 B.C., and you know that from the Maccabees, when Alexander the Great set up his kingdom. And that's who this library is named after. Remember when we did the Wicked Eagle? And one of the major players of the Antichrist wannabes was this Alexander the Great. Well, this, his hands was all through this. But there were other people that were involved. Um, it's mainly the Egyptian mysteries that were taught there in this library. And uh, so that involved Pluto, Plato, Plutarch, and other parts of the mystery, mysteries. Um, so when did they start to try to use this? To make a Bible. It was in 350 AD when this translator named Origen, Origen, and Origen did not believe in Jesus Christ. Now we're now we're looking at the, the Catholic Church is already formed here. Origen was an occultist. And he was part of the Libertines Society. It's a secret society there within this Alexandria. Okay. 
Now, let's go to the Bible for a minute and let's uh, look at these these scumbags. And we're going to do this. We're going to look at it in other places. But here's a start. We're going to go to Acts 6, verse 9. Now, get that. See, the translators put that there for us. That's occult numerology. That's chapter 6, verse 9. And here is exposed the same skunks that are running this library that started this uh, translation in 350 AD. But here they are back here during Paul's time. So here it is. New paragraph mark. Chapter 6, verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, it's called Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. So here's the guy all full of the Holy Ghost. We well know about Stephen. Okay. And, and, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So he's full of the Holy Ghost. Then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Okay, so they had their what? False witnesses there to try to get him. And what else did these Alexandrians do? And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Capital C. And set up false witnesses which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law, capital L. That's the doctrine. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Okay, now the rest of it is, he gives it the history, a true history, of the doctrine, and they stone him. Because he exposes the fact that uh, the children of Israel had a sect in there that had Moloch worship, and how they resist the Holy Ghost. And uh, as he gave them the truth, they stoned him, and Jesus Christ himself, was standing, not seated on his throne, but standing next to the father there at the stoning of Stephen, okay? So there he puts the finger on who we are talking about, the enemies of our Bible that are today polluting everybody. I mean, the King James Bible beaters are out here. Yes, they are, but by far, we're outnumbered 10 to 1. In the Christian, I'm talking about Christian communities, so-called Christian communities. These people are being deceived. But let's go back here to origin, this libertine. And he's the one that said, okay, let's get Hebrew and Greek into Latin. And we can document over 6,000 changes that were made out of the Hebrew and Greek documents. That's Old and New Testament that this guy put together. 6,000 changes right off the bat from the original manuscripts, okay? There were three of these doctrines found in complete. One of them is there, of course, in Egypt, and that is called the Alexandrius Recepticus. Then there's one that was supposedly kept behind the desk of the Pope. And that is called the Vaticanus Receptus. The third of these is supposedly found in the Sinai Peninsula at this monastery, and it's called the Sinaiticus 
receptive. These are the three doctrines that were used to translate all your other Bible versions. Say, well, which one are you talking? Name me one in English. That's this is where they came from. Now we realize why they can change words because these three agree on nothing. The three original Bibles that came out of this Egyptian mystery school agree on nothing. Nothing origin did. The three of them don't agree on anything. Now, I fast forward to the people that started to translate in the year 1500. Now, that's a significant year because that was the great gathering of manuscripts. I'll get back to that. So there's a guy named Tindale, like in the metal tin. And he got all the way through the New Testament and then was burned at the stake by the same people. I'm telling you, they don't want it in English. Okay. Then we go to the 1560 Geneva Bible, which you'll hear people. Oh yeah, that's just as good. That's oh Well, there are some differences and this and no, that didn't come out of the same manuscripts at all. It came out of this Egyptian, uh, Manuscripts that I'm talking about that came out of this Alexandria library. That's where that was translated out of. Okay. And these things were had attached to them. At this point, they put the book of Revelation back into this 1560 translation. But they tried with all their might to maintain occult doctrines in our Bible. One of them was called the Shepherd of Hermes, okay? And that has to do with Mount Hermon. So all you studiers realize what significance Mount Hermon has with the fallen angels, the porthole. The Shepherd of Hermes is Satan. And that was in place of your book of Revelation. It was only in 1585 when they decided to publish into English out of Jerome's translation that they said, hey, we can't, we can't attach this Shepherd of Hermes. This will get us in trouble. This will expose us. All right. So there they stuck it back in there because they had to. So all other English Bibles other than King James came from the Egypt Alexandria Library, period. In the middle of all this turmoil, the occultists of the world created the Council of Trent to try to stop people from having 11 books they attacked the book of Revelations. What did I say? They had it completely out of the text. And they haven't went away either. So in our Bible study, we had people reading about Westcott and Hort and how these, uh, the New Testament used their manuscripts. Well, where did they get their materials? Well, it goes back to these three manuscripts that I'm talking about. This is what they used, and the theologians of modern time, I say modern time, I'm talking about from 1900 on, uh, you couldn't use anything else. Not the King James, though. No, 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 no. We're going to get to that. Westcott and Hart used this Alexandrian occult Bible. And the theologians of modern times bid on it so that none of your other English Bible versions, say the NIV, did it? We, we translated the same stuff out of King James. No, you didn't. It come out of a completely different river, buddy. And you had to use this. Now, 
In modern times, this has been exposed, how bad this translation was. So I've watched these Christian apologists, high-level theologians, come out and say, isn't it a shame we were tricked? Westcott and Hork tricked us into using these. It should have never happened. Yeah, but it did happen. And when you're a theologian, you, 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 you're you uh, wearing your badge of authority. And since it didn't fool the people here at the table, it didn't fool me, and it didn't fool a lot of other people, how can the muckety-muck doctor of theology be fooled? And now he still wants authority. He was He was fooled by this, but he still wants authority. So, uh, like I said, it's uh, these Westcott and Hart, they had their what? What was it called? The Ghost Guild? The Ghost Guild Secret Society? The bottom line is Plato and Plutarch is the main sources in the occult that came out of this Egyptian mystery school. All right. So what about the King James Version now? And we start the same time there in 330 BC when we had this terrible Alexander the Great on, like in the Wicked Eagle prophecy that we talked about. There he was. In 280 BC, there was a great movement involved with all of the uh, scribes to put the, all the Hebrew documents into Greek so that they could spread around the world. Now, there was an attack within that. Okay? In other words, the Septuagint, it's called, trying to put Hebrew into Greek, had its share of trouble. Because there were people in there sticking their hand in the cookie jar that shouldn't have been there. So there are some ambiguities when it comes to the Septuagint. However, a lot of it was really good, and a lot of it was used as this all progressed. At this time, you had the Essenes scribing the gospel. Okay, and they stayed outside of town there. Uh, all the documents that we, we say, we're talking about Jacer. That was found in there. There are so many documents of Enoch in there. And we, we've been going over that. See, it's legitimate. So the Essenes stayed true blue. Um, they are responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, we're going to get to this as this is going to take about four Sundays to, to get all this done. The Maccabees documents Ptolemy. The Maccabees talks about this Alexandria. The, the, the Maccabees documents the fact that anybody that was caught at that time with the doctrine, with the law, was put to death. If they if uh, Antiochus caught anybody circumcising their son, they were put to death. So you see, these scumbags that hate our doctrine have been out there. And this is pre-Christ here. Okay? So the Maccabees had great doctrinal persecution going on here. And why do you think the Essenes are out there in the country, out away from Jerusalem, where all the hell's breaking loose? And there were occultists on every corner. There were shrines set up to Baal on every corner. It was going on right in the temple. Yes, it was. That's right. So, the, the uh, scribing was going on, though. And there was a lot of good guys and gals that loved the Bible. And this was going on. It was going on here with the Essenes. It was going on there with some of the doctors of law in the temple there in Jerusalem. And there were people in and out of the Alexandrian library up there that loved the Bible. Okay. Those are the good guys, but they were certainly surrounded. And this 
plight has never stopped. Uh, the uh, oppression and the persecution, as people had this in mind to send this doctrine around to the world, they were attacked by these apostles of Satan. They, and uh, the goal was to get this Hebrew document. There was a Septuagint on to the whole world. Okay, so that had, that had actually preceded Christ. Uh, the uh, Essenes believed that Christ was going to be born. They knew their doctrine. They knew it, and they knew that he was at the doors. And it was right on the sign of their uh, um, compound there that we're making a way for Christ there. Uh, so now we go to the year 1500. And the year 1500, um, there was this movement within all the places where the manuscripts had been sent. The apostles had sent manuscripts. They were all involved in spreading the, the doctrine itself to all corners of the world. And that was done in Greek. It was done in Greek. A lot of it was translated out of Hebrew into Greek. It went all over to every country on earth. That was within 100 years of Christ. It was there. It was everywhere. So, uh, and here in all these countries, it was being scribed. Because you can't, you can't have a Bible, whether it's scroll or book, if it's being used, it wears out. You follow me? You've got to keep scribing. And they had their way of making sure it was perfect. They just did. And it shows me how much of a miracle it is that we have our Bibles. Because here it went around the world despite the persecution. So here all that started as the persecution let up. As people weren't being burnt at the stake as much. Here came this ploy within real believers to publish this in English. You say, well, why wasn't that done before? Do you realize there was no English language? Anglo-Saxon and French and all that developed in time. So here the English version itself is there because of the um, growth of the English language across the world. So here we have this point. So in 1520, the gathering of manuscripts had just got underway. There's, so there's no way Tinsdale could have had an accurate translation. Because yeah, remember, he was killed before he got to the Old Testament. He did the New Testament only. He was burnt at the stake. So in 1560, the gathering was in full force with the Geneva Bible, but they didn't use these documents. They didn't use the same documents as King James at all. But even if they were, they could have no way done a Bible version to equal the King James because King James was 60 years later. And there's all those manuscripts. I'm talking about full Bibles from all over the world gathered together from the year 1500 to 1600. Full Bible versions that had been scribed five, six, seven generations of scribing. And yet they gathered them there for this English Bible version in the English, folks, they all matched. You realize it went into all these languages, into French, into China. China had scribes there. Arabia had, Africa had scribes there. And as they gathered all these translations together, they all matched. And they celebrated. Look at this. God truly can. He took care of his word, just like was promised in the Bible, that God would preserve his holy words. And, and they did that. So there they were really motivated. 
really motivated because as they gathered all these Bibles from around the world, they all matched. That's where the King James come from. So that gathering of all these Bibles started in 1500 and it climaxed in 1600 and we, then we have our 1611. Well, that uh, gathering of manuscripts, folks, has never stopped. Since this gathering, this 100-year gathering, real believers have kept gathering and kept getting manuscripts. Let me explain. The King James Bible was translated out of what is called the Textus Receptus. Textus Receptus. And it's another name for it. It's majority text because of all the Bibles they gathered in that 100-year period. When they started translating, it was 5,000 Bibles they had from around the world in all those languages. There's no language that did not have a Bible. And they all matched. So there they are, they have 5,000 Bibles. By 1948, we have 24,000 more manuscripts matching that have been gathered. See, the gathering didn't stop there. All those show the authenticity of our Bible. And part of that is the Dead Sea Scrolls, where we found the whole book of Isaiah complete, a thousand years older than anything that was available uh, anywhere. We found verified there in the Dead Sea Scroll script. Now we are close to 70,000 manuscripts that prove the King James. The King James was done with 47 translators. They broke off into groups of eight. So each person took one part of the Greek or the Hebrew and First, when he was done, the, the other eight came together, and they all went over together. Okay, if it passed that, then it had to go through that all 47 people went over the section, and it had to pass that. And that's why we have the flawless, the flawless Bible version that we do here today. One of the great things that I that absolutely is destroyed in all other Bible versions other than King James is the prophetic language, the similitude language that allows us to understand every, every prophecy. That is destroyed in the Geneva Bible. It's destroyed in the Latin Vulgate, as they called it. It doesn't exist. And we came within inches of having the Shepherd of Hermes instead of the book of Revelations. Despite the warning in there, the book of Revelations says, hey, you remove this, one word of this, you're going to hell, basically is what it says. And these people didn't remove the whole book and didn't put it in until they were under pressure, you see, to uh, put it back in because people would have never got fooled by the Jerome translation, if that would have happened. Okay? All right. So with that being said, we'll go to page one in the intro of the Bible as it's 47 translators. And a message for all of us that are reading. So I'm going to go through it as I was requested to do. And what did they have to say? What did they have to say here? To us, no matter 
rich or poor, rich or poor, no matter who you are, the translators took 10 pages and, and explained a lot of things. One thing they explained in page one is that you're being attacked. They go in there and they say, you know, if you're just hunting for the truth and uh, the true doctrine, the milk of the word, that ought to be a pleasant labor and you should never have <laughs> some type of condemnation over that, but you do. They said, oh, you know, we're trying to not only work on our own to put this together, but we're, we're uh, doing this through the labors of others, through history. Now, isn't that true about the church? One person plants, the next person waters, God makes it grow. Okay, so they, they go into all that. Uh, you're attacked by the world, they're talking about. Not loved. Not loved, and I'm paraphrasing here, the world will condemn you. And they tell you, hey, right here, every generation had this. And they were no different. In fact, they, they really got it bad, even with the authority given to them by King James. Uh, so we don't go to King James, though, as a uh, guidepost, is this good or bad? Uh, King James gave the authority for them to do this and to publish this into English. All right. So we're going to not go into any of the politics involved with King James right here, right now. Here on page one, they go into a bunch of similitudes. And the one similitude, uh, when it comes to the difference in translator versus the apologetic, uh, Antichrist fake Christians, they, they do a little uh, parable here. And they use a mother and father that nourish their children. So those are the people that love the word and uh, care about the people reading. To them in this, um, their enemies that were attacking them over doing this would be like a father and mother that kill their children at birth. Huh. What a similitude. And, and, and they're talking about the child feeding on the milk of the word. And in, in this process, they claim, the translators do, that the wicked are exposed. Because you see the people that, are, that want the word out here in its pure form, and you want you got people trying to stick the occult doctrine in the middle of it. So that's their similitude here on page one. They try to uh, condemn the good people that are really trying. And that went on. And that goes on to this very day. And then they take their Antichrist bad theologian type, and they're going to exalt them even though they have another doctrine, uh, Egyptian mystery school doctrine. So that the clergy itself was just littered with these people, according to this intro. And there's poison that came out of the big church of Rome, obviously. What did I say? The Vaticus Recepticus. And the shepherd of Hermes. Okay, that that speaks a lot right there. So whenever you're doing this type of work for the Lord, you're going to be verbally assaulted, according to them here. And um, you just can't escape the poison words that come on you. And they're saying <laughs> even the kings don't escape the poison words. And uh, they give an excuse there for the kings. They say, well, the envy strikes the cheapest first. Now, they go on in page two, and they go on with this, uh, and they present a history of David and Solomon. 
and they used uh, God's temple that was built. David got uh, all the materials together, Solomon put it together, and it pleased a lot of people that the temple was finally built. Just as many around the firmament of the earth hated that, and that never went away. And here, now Solomon gets worldwide power, and they hated that. And that's why when they went to rebuild the temple, the Nehemiah temple, that they threw this up in the world leader's face. We have that in the book of Maccabees. We're going to get to that. Here we here went the, the letter to rebuild. We have it in the book of uh, Ezra in the Old Testament. In Nehemiah, we have it. So there's just as many people that hated the fact that they were going to get to rebuild their temple under the uh, Darius Cyrus uh, edict to rebuild after the 70 years of being hauled away. So uh, now of interest here, the translators in page two, they talk about the Caesar. And that's where they went back to the Julian sun cycle. How about that? See what we 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 complain about the uh, feast of the beast, and we've been talking about that throughout all the all the podcasts. The feast of the beast, and that's set under the Julian calendar, which is the Babylonian calendar. But see, here it is in Rome, and here they finger the Caesar. That set the calendar back to the Babylonian calendar instead of using the Hebrew. And they make a claim here in this intro that uh, the Caesar is what came out of Rome and that transmigrated into the popes. They have a Latin word, populus. P-U-P-I-L-L-I-U-S. In short, any leader trying to do good, especially over religion, sets himself up as a target of those that with the evil eye. And I go back to St. Stephen. What happened to him? He's doing all good. His face is glowing there in front of them, full of the Holy Ghost. He gets stoned to death. And when uh, and they're talking about either with King James or Constantine or anybody, when you meddle with religion, uh, you're going to meddle with customs of people. Well, that's true. So if you have a, a good doctrine, you get good customs. If you have a rotten doctrine, rotten customs. There's no way out of that. But they make a claim here in page two that there is no truth without the written word. I mean, they, and that is absolutely true. Where would we be without our Bible? I'd be lost. Okay? So that's a big claim there that they make. Even to the commandments of God about study they get into. And the biblical benefits of studying the doctrine and how we must study, okay? So, uh, right here I got uh, somebody that's uh, wanting to speak a little bit um, because he's got some things for the group and it's very serious and this has to do with the oppression that we're under and uh, all of that. So, without any further ado, Back by popular demand is the midget. I'd like to start off uh, covering some stuff here. What Tom was just talking about, uh, the doctrine and the library there in Egypt, Alexandria. I'm reading today from New Age Bible Versions by Gail Ripplinger. And I would like to start off with uh, 
an introduction here that was written by uh, Dr. Frank Lodgson. He was involved in uh, the New American Standard Version. It says, I must under God renounce every attachment to the New American Standard. I'm afraid I'm in trouble with the Lord. We laid the groundwork. I wrote the format. I helped interview some of the translators. I sat with the translator. I wrote the preface. I'm in trouble. I can't refute these arguments. It's wrong. It's terribly wrong. It's frighteningly wrong. And what am I going to do about it? I can no longer ignore these criticisms I am hearing, and I can't refute them. When questions began to reach me at first, I was quite offended. However, in attempting to answer, I began to sense that something was not right about the NASV. Upon investigation, I wrote my very dear friend, Mr. Lockman, explaining that I was forced to renounce all attachment to the NASV. The product is grievous to my heart and helps to complicate matters in these already troublous times. The deletions are absolutely frightening. There are so many. And we so naive that we are we so naive that we do not suspect Satan, satanic deception in all of this? I don't want anything to do with it. The finest leaders that we have today haven't gone into it. The new versions use use of a corrupted Greek text. Just as I hadn't gone into it, that's how easily one can be deceived. I'm going to talk to him. That's Dr. George Sweeting then president of the Moody Bible Institute, about these things. You can say the authorized version is absolutely correct. This is the authorized King James Version. How correct? 100%. If you must stand against everyone else, stand. The next thing I would like to read See, this guy was involved with the Lockman that uh, created the Lockman Foundation through the Moody Bible Institute, which is a terrible organization behind the curtain, the Lockman Institute. Now, this chapter is called The Method, Men and Manuscripts Corrected or Corrupted. It is natural to perceive certain discrete phenomena, such as apostasy, in the new text pew or a version that's new without placing it in within a broader scheme, both historically and geographically. Each time the reader turns a page in this book, he will be pulling back the curtain of time, revealing the concealed wires and the marionettes who are setting the stage for the new age. The unsound doctrines in new versions cannot be examined without realizing that they are only symptoms of a disease that was contracted years ago. New versions and the new church they are producing owe their occult bend to their underlying Greek text. A novelty produced in the 1870s by B.F. Westcott, a London spiritualist. Secular historians and numerous occult books see him as the father of the current channeling phenomenon a major source of the doctrines of devils driving the New Age movement. His British ghostly guild became the training grounds for much under-the-table hand-holding between his students and London's Madame Helena P. Blavatsky, another spiritualist and then editor of Lucifer magazine. Christian cult watchers aptly call her the seamstress who cut the pattern for the harlot's new dress. She was to become a Los Angeles Times Magazine, says, godmother of the New Age movement. The editor of the New Age Dictionary calls her the midwife of the New Age. New Age leader Vera Alder says, H.P. Blavatsky was one of the foremost to rec 
resurrect the ancient mystery teachings and interpret them for our time in a set of books which have become the Bibles, as it were, of the modern metaphysician or occultist. Since both Westcott and Blavatsky, through their occult involvement, signed up for service in Satan's church, he has used them as his two arms. She has offered her writing arm to usher in the friends of the bride of Satan, the whore, from Revelation 17. Her writing has wrapped up society's nonconformists, Hitler, Sirhan Sirhan, in her wizard's cape, capturing them for Satan's kingdom. Westcott, working as a priest in the Church of England, will wed Satan to the harlot church. With his sheep's clothing, he has pulled the wool over the eyes of church conformists. The Encyclopedia of the Unexplained says Blavatsky exhumed her Luciferian doctrines from Philo's school in Alexandria, Egypt. This same school also produced manuscripts of the Old and New Testament, altered to conform to their esoteric teachings. This is what Tom was just talking about that came out of the library there in Alexandria. The graveyards haunt, haunt the graveyard haunts of Westcott's ghostly guild brought up these very manuscripts and used them to alter the traditional Old and New Testaments. New versions mimic the New Age because they both made their debut on the same stage at Philo's school. As spiritualists, necromancers, both Westcott and Blavatsky recognized the esoteric tone given New Testament manuscripts produced within hearing distance of Philo's school. Both believe these were corrected, not corrupted versions. Blavatsky's books with subtitles like Holy Satan joined Westcott in sounding the death bell for the King James Real Bible. She blows Westcott's spiritualist trumpet saying, that which for nearly 1,500 years was imposed on Christendom as a book of which every word was written under the direction or, or under the direct supervision of the Holy Ghost, of which not one syllable nor a comma could be changed without sacrilege, is now being retranslated, revised, and corrected and clipped of whole verses, in some cases of entire chapters. Westcott's then shocking New Greek Testament slowly infiltrated the liberal seminaries during the first half of this century, and today floods the bookstore under new version covers. James Webb, author of The Occult Underground on the Occult and the Occult Establishment, is among a string of historians tying Westcott's work to the occult revival. He observes, it is to restate a truism that was that what is avant-garde for one generation is taught to the next in the school seminaries. By the third generation, it has become an accepted part of the unperceived assumptions on which everyday life is based. So that supports what Tom was just talking about, the Alexandria Library and uh, the doctrines that they were using, which were esoteric and occult. Okay, I'd like to give an update. Uh, we've been talking about the radiation that comes from devices. And I have tested one product uh, that was used with uh, a router, also with a cell phone, and I used my meter. The meter that I'm using, again, is from GQ Electronics, and it is an EMF 390 model. Now, they sell several different models. This is one of the um, upper-level models. They also sell some models that detect, uh, they have a Geiger counter on it, and they go all the way up to $600. But this is the model I've been using. I recommend this. It's a good model. And the product that I tested was called Shungite, which is a, a mineral stone. And it did shield uh, radiation uh, down to a normal level. They also make uh, Shungite beads that you can make into bracelets. 
and wear them on you to uh, protect you also to shield uh, radiation. Now I've ordered a couple products and I'm having them shipped to me. And as soon as I get them, I'm going to test them and I'm going to report on the results I get. One is called a Faraday cage. Now Faraday cages are used for electronic uh, devices, uh, circuit boards and stuff to protect them and for, to also to shield them from emitting or uh, getting uh, like electrostatic discharge. I use them in the labs when I worked on electronic boards. Anything that you could that could be damaged by electrostatic electricity would be put into a Faraday cage. So I know that a Faraday cage works. You can look it up. They've been using them, I think, for a couple hundred years. It was named after the man who invented it. His name was Faraday. So, but the product that I ordered is a, a Faraday cage, but I want to check the results on it to see how much it reduces the radiation on a router. It's a router cover that I ordered. I also ordered some fabric. It's a shielding fabric. It has copper and nickel in it. And uh, they say you can put that over devices or I'm going to make a curtain for my uh, uh, fuse box my uh, uh, that's in my uh, basement because it emits a lot of radiation also. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to test these products and I'll report on them with my results as soon as I get uh, the, uh, everything documented. So thanks on that. And you can look up this GQ Electronics. On the internet, uh, Amazon sells this. You can go right to their site and buy it. Even Walmart sells this product. So you'll have no trouble finding it on the internet. Just put in GQ Electronics EMF 390 meter. So with that, thank you. Yeah, we're gonna continue to give the updates on all the testing so that we can protect ourselves and not be poisoned uh, by this terrible ploy of um, poisoning the public and killing us and exterminating us through all their tactics. One of them is the radiation, and we've been through all that. So, uh, what are we what are we dealing with here with Alexandria Library? What do we say? Ptolemy, King Ptolemy, is dedicated to him. He's the one that ordained it. What about this bloodline? This bloodline it goes all the way back to Potiphar, the one that imprisoned Joseph. Notice the, the name, Ptolemy and Potiphar. Potiphar is what Harry Potter was named after. Okay, Potter, the Potter's Field, all that's used symbolically in the occult, and God slaps him in the face in the book of Jeremiah, the great potter. Okay? So this, this, this is the skunk that created this Alexandrian library. And then look at that name. Alexander the Great was a pagan. Didn't believe in God. He believed in the uh, Egyptian mystery schools. That's how this ended up here. And named after him. Alexander the Great. An Antichrist type. It might as well be named after Hitler. Okay? So, Ptolemy and Potiphar, all that is Egyptian mystery school. There can be no doubt about that. He was, uh, it's a huge Antichrist figure. One of the big ones. It's right there. If I said Nimrod or, um, if I said, uh, Hitler, if I said Lenin, all those are types of Antichrist that want to rule the world. Well, this 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 bloodline's right in the middle of that. And we document so much of this in the book of Maccabees. Once again, the book of Maccabees should never have been taken out of our Bible. Never. Because it fills in all the blanks. We go through this battle with Judas Maccabeus, and if anyone was caught with the real doctrine, they were put to death. If a lady circumcised her son, 
she was hung out on a pole with the child around her neck for everyone to see for days at a time. So this is this this battle and attacking our doctrine. We are so blessed. And I'll tell you one studier there. He he said that all along. Boy, what a miracle we have our Bible. And it has been a miracle. This great gathering, I can't say enough about it. I can't say enough good about it. Uh, for somebody that believes that the, the Tinsdale Bible is as good as the King James, how could that be? How could that be? Let's say that Tinsdale would use documents from the gathering of all the Bibles. There's 80 years of gathering that he has, doesn't have here in, in 1520. No, he didn't use that. And neither did they use it at the Geneva Bible. And there's still 40 more years of gathering Bibles that hadn't occurred yet. But they didn't use those documents. They didn't use, it's called the Textus Receptus, or the majority text. None of them used that. Now, let's go fast forward a little bit here. This is what Calvinism was created out of. Yeah, Zionism, pre-trib rapture, all that came out of this Calvin, and he used, did he use the King James? No. He used these other Bible versions here. He used the uh, uh, Textus Receptus? No, absolutely not. We're going to use the uh, Greek text created there in the Alexandrian Library. So I go back to the people. Uh, they got just enough of Christianity in the uh, these new Bible versions, um, just so you can say, well, look, it's pretty close, but it's not. And we're commanded uh, in, to not let one word of the doctrine slip. Now, let alone adding, taking the book of Revelations clear out, and putting in this shepherd of Hermes in its place, which is nothing to do with uh, Christian doctrine at all, or Hebrew doctrine, uh, or Moses, the books of Moses. It has nothing to do with that. What does it have to do with? It has to do with occult doctrine and all the 200 angels that came down to Mount Hermes. Uh, uh, and Mount Hermes is where... They do, did the child sacrifices and the great giant og and all, all of that came out of Mount Hermon. And next week, I got somebody that's going to speak that's been going over this Shepherd of Hermes doctrine that was going to be in place of the book of Revelation. And he's been reading it to me. And I tell you what, it, it will get you angry. Because it is nothing but a cultism. The uh, uh, fact is that anything that came out of the Vaticanus Receptus, the Alexandrius Receptus, or the Sinaiticus Receptus, they're all polluted. None of those three match. In fact, the, uh, the, the story goes with the Sinaiticus Receptus. What, there's a fake Mount Sinai there on the Sinai Peninsula, and there's a monastery put there. And supposedly this um, archeologist went there and found it in the trash can, right? And he rescued it, if you can believe that. Well, that's a fake Mount Sinai. Uh, Mount Sinai is not there on the peninsula. It is there in um, Arabia, yeah. It's there in Arabia, but not out on the Sinai, out on the Sinai Peninsula. Okay, and so that's what I said. When it comes to the Jerome Latin Vulgate, you don't have any of the good doctrine there. You just don't. There's, there's the. By that, I'm saying the prophetic language is gone. The prophecy language is key to understanding the prophecies in your Bible that are so easy to understand. They just are. Uh, so
So next week, when we get back to this, I'm going to have him. He'll he'll no doubt be ready to talk about this shepherd of Hermes, um, folks. With that being said, I want to. We will, we will get to this. We will get to that. Uh, do we have anything to say more here at the table before I sign off? Uh, no. Uh, listen, is there anybody out in phone land that has anything to say here before I sign off for the day? Now is your chance. Okay. That being said, here from Clinton, New Franklin, Akron, Ohio. From Harriet, the midget. Bo, Benzie, and myself. Until next time, may the Holy Ghost go with every one of us. Bye-bye. <laughs>